This is Meet the Movie Press. It's April the 26th, 2019. On the show this week, Avengers Endgame expected to flop at the box office. Oh, that's the opposite of a spoiler, right? Uh, Bond 25 casting, James Wan, Salem's Lot, plus so much more. Stand by, it's a busy show. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now. Here's Popcorn Talks, Meet the Movie Press. This is Meet the Movie Press. It is April the 26th, 2019. My name is Simon Thompson. I am the host of this show. Uh, you can find me on social media at Showbiz Simon on Instagram and Twitter. There's a Facebook page. This is Simon Thompson. If you want to follow this show on social media, please go to at Meet Movie Press on Twitter. That's where you can take part in all the discussion after the show every single week. If you want to take part in the discussion during the show, watch us live on YouTube and you can take part in the chat. In there already, Sarah Brockle, good morning, Sarah, Dimitri Panos, Dimitri Panos is Hello. over there. We will introduce you in just a second. Fishman Dildo and Queen of English. It's going to be a busy show, guys. Okay, uh, introducing the panel. Dimitri, we know who you are, but please introduce yourself again. Uh, so, Dimitri Panos here from Meet the Movie Press, also Anatomy of, of a Movie, here on the Popcorn Talk Network. And, and I'm on the Twitters at that A. At D Movies 1701. And Ashley Menzel is our guest panelist this week. Scott, your husband is away. Thank you so much for filling into his shoes. Uh, far more glamorous. Always great to have you here. Thank Second you. time on the show. For those people that don't know who you are, uh, where your position in the industry is, uh, tell us who you are and where we can find you. I'm Ashley Menzel. You can find me at We Live Entertainment. I'm also the vice president of the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society. Uh, my Twitter is Ashley G. Menzel. Uh, and thank you so much to the LA OFCS for making us members, both myself and Dimitri, this year. Um, really, really good. It's a great bunch of people you picked. I mean, obviously one exception. Um, but, you hey, know, you've got to set, set oh. a low bar somewhere and then, you know, the rest of us are there. And then uh, I'm there. But thank you so much. Uh, okay, Avengers Endgame. There is so much to talk about this this week. Oh, boy. Okay, let's, go, let's start off with the review because a lot of people are going to want to know what we thought about this. And this is going to be spoiler-free. Uh, so if you are worried about spoilers, ain't going to find that shit on this show. Um, okay, first of all, let's talk about the runtime. Everybody was very concerned about the fact that it's three hours and one minute, right? Something like that. Three hours and one minute. Uh, a lot of people are also asking, is there an end credit sequence? There is not an end credit sequence. So if you can stay for the trailers with this, but you ain't going to get anything extra. Guys, three hour, one minute, worth it, doable, over long. Uh, first of all, Ashley. I actually got to see it. We all saw it at the same screening, which was fun. Um, it was. I had an issue with the runtime. I really think that there was a lot of... Um, and this is actually really hard to talk about without spoiling. So if I'm pausing, it's because I'm making sure that I'm not saying anything that's yeah. a spoiler. So excuse my um, you know, jumbled speech a little bit. But um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of explanation and portions in the film that didn't necessarily have to be there. I'm thinking particularly of the San Francisco slate when the, the slate comes up for that. That part is kind of... Eh. You don't really need it. Um, and I got to the point where it was really dragging in the middle. I mean, but the last hour, you can't, you cannot go to the bathroom during the last hour of yep. that film. But um, apart from the runtime, you know, it's it's doable, but I don't think they had to do it. You know what I mean? I think it was, uh, uh, there's an element of overindulgence in it. Mm -hmm. But I think one of my complaints with Infinity Wars was the fact that 
there were so many characters in it and a lot of them I didn't feel got particularly well served. Some of them didn't have enough to do. It was great to have them there, but they really didn't play enough part in the story. For me, this time, even though I think there's a little bit of flab on this, it means that it does mean that everybody that is there has something to do rather than just going, now it's my line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also it's allowed them in this one thing I, I say very, very positively about this is especially in the final crescendo, the, the women of the uh, Avengers uh, sort of sector of, 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 the, of the MCU, they really have something to do this time. Um, more so than I think they had in Infinity War, which I th- it felt to me a little bit like an afterthought. Um, okay, Dimitri, your thoughts on this? On first of all, on on runtime and whether you think it was a little bit flabby. I felt the runtime, okay. but it was that second act. Right. It was within that second act. In fact, it was the San Francisco. <laughs> that's when I had to get up, uh, and, and, and thankfully I got back by the third act. Uh, yeah, it, it, but for me, I just don't know exactly where they could have cut it. I do think that there, yeah. the second act, um, there's a lot of. T- it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline techno babble going on mm-hmm. that is really inexplainable and they try to establish rules that they go ahead and break anyways so yes uh my critique of it is yeah it, it's long the second act is probably the weakest i think though where it really delivers is number one uh there was the unexpected yeah okay it opens up on an unexpected scene, which was which cold was open. Really effective. Not only really effective. It was wow. Yeah. Okay, it was effective. Uh, I think that too throughout. Uh, it delivers on the humor. It totally delivers on the action, especially the last hour. Yeah, and it delivers on the look. I mean. To say that this is a spectacle picture is underselling it because every square inch of that big silver screen Mm. is utilized and it looks fantastic. And you can look anywhere on the screen, the four corners, and there's something there that's great to look at. Uh, I really think that this is a... It's a it's well it's definitely a closure of this phase three. I, I kind of look at Infinity War and Endgame as one long epic movie, right? It be, it, 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 you know, this whole thing ends as it all began, and this really does focus on the core Avengers that we've come to know and love yeah. since the first Avengers movie. Which is the whole purpose. I mean, I, I think personally, if it could have been 245, I think it would have been, because there's not a lot they have to take out. But no. the downside is the fact that because of the way the story is constructed, there are certain parts that if you rush then you'd feel like you weren't serving that important part of the story. (laughs) There's very little here that doesn't really need to be there. I think some things kind of go on for a little bit longer than perhaps they... Just by a couple of beats. And over three hours, take a minute here, a minute there, a minute there. You've trimmed 15 minutes. And I think that would have been really intense. One thing... I can't imagine what it would be like to be given the responsibility of, of the writers of this and the directors of this to try and cram 10 years and 21 movies into even three hours. Because 
that is just the, the kind of thing that a lot of people don't get in their in their industry in the industry ever or in, the, in their careers. But I think they managed to do it, and it, it doesn't feel overindulgent. It feels indulgent, but I think that's also something hard to avoid. Um, let's talk about. There's a lot of elements of this story that are um, based around a MacGuffin. Right. Does it become too much about that MacGuffin? Because at times I was feeling I was getting a little bit lost in the specifics rather than, to, to coin a phrase, the end game. Um, <laughs> you know, there was, there was a lot of... Was there too much detail yeah. in elements of I, this? Do you think they could have cut a little bit down of that? Yeah, if, if I may, too, I want to go back to, to your point. I think it's what is remarkable about the entire process mm. is the this 11 years, this is the 23rd film, yeah. at the whole MCU team, um, in their continuity, yeah. uh, folks. I, I wrote this in my spoiler-free review that said, you know, these continuity peoples need to be paid really well. Because yeah. it's crazy how it, everything's interwoven. And a, and a lot of these things weren't, weren't filmed. It wasn't like a regular movie where you film <laughs> right. in 28 days. Some of these sequences, they were filmed, a lot of it out of order. I mean, we know, and Brie Larson's talked about this, that Captain Marvel, she did Captain Marvel in this before she did Captain Marvel. So some people were... And this has happened with other movies in the universe where people have found themselves in a franchise before they've had a chance to actually do their own character, which is very hard. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, And then uh, to your point about the MacGuffin, yes, it was so overly explained. Yeah. And they, they actually took time to reference this... It's a plot device. Yeah. All right? Let's just say it is a plot device... And this plot device was so over-explained, it became inexplicable. They made up their own rules, but broke their own rules. And it comes to an end that... Uh, well, there comes to a scene that happens much later in the movie that is inexplicable, albeit heartfelt, and people will take out their tissues. Yeah. But, yeah. Because they're I, crying, I, just to be specific. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Gotta be clear. Uh, you know how people behave in theaters so, these yeah. days. So I just want to be really specific about that. I don't know where theater you go to, but <laughs> it didn't happen at the Disney Clearly theater. one that's unhygienic. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, let, let's uh, ask for Ashley's opinion on this as well. I mean, how do you feel about this MacGuffin? Because, for me, it opened up a couple of plot holes occasionally. There were, there were quite a few plot holes in this, but I couldn't decide whether they were plot holes or portals for the next part of the franchise. Ashley, your thoughts? I think that Marvel does a really good job of doing that, where they subtly put something in a film where you're like, that doesn't work, but mm. then they explain it four films later, and it's like, oh, well, I guess so. Uh, I do still have an issue with the way they handled that. Uh, I don't even if it does open up an opportunity in other films, it feels messy in this one. Uh, so... I get it, and I'll, I'll hold off my total judgment until then, but it, it did leave me with a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth after that, because I was like, that really doesn't work, yeah. does it? We had a great conversation, though, after this, and you basically summed it up great, where you said, I don't think they cared. No. Like, they just, <laughs> this is what it is, this is the plot device, mm-hmm. blah, 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 like, whatever, and mm-hmm. you're, well, okay, but they didn't care. They just said, this is what we're going to, this yeah. is the plot yeah. device that we're using, they could have simplified it. I mean, because when you think about it, it really is a simple story yeah. of what they have to do. 
A lot of people talking about this in the chat are going to briefly go to these guys and then we're going to come back to us. And I don't want to talk about um, Avengers for the whole show, but no. I, we've got more things I want to cover off. Uh, film nerd Jamie, uh, we didn't hear uh, this bitching about three hours of Lord of the Rings. Audiences are too whiny. I hate to break it to you, film nerd Jamie, but I had a lot of people whining about three hours for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think maybe you were very lucky. Maybe you have wh- less whiny friends. And, and um, a lot of people line, were, were, were whining about Return of the King. Yeah, especially. Uh, Sarah Brock, uh, Jamie, uh, we didn't have so much social media for Lord of the Rings. That's a very good point, Sarah. True. This is why the chat is really important to the show because you don't, you know, it's a conversation. This is all a conversation. There's more than one voice. Uh, single nerd, no, Jamie. People, not all were complaining of Lord of the Rings runtime. Uh, it actually prevents some people seeing trilogies in theaters. I cannot get my head around the people who wanted to like go to the movie theaters on Tuesday and spend days in that movie theater. I can barely do a double bill at the Beverly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the new Beverly when they do two. I'm like, oh, at the end of the one, I'm like, maybe I won't stay for the second. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like days and not showering? <clears throat> no. I mean, I respect it, but don't sit next to me. Xeno uh, Hour, Simon, hear me out. Put restrooms in the actual theatre room. No. 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 It's uh, a hill flushing I, toilet. I, I heard you out, uh, and it's a no. Uh, Jenna James saying, no, I don't want to smell number twos and water splashing while I'm watching a film. Yeah, that's like 5XD. You don't want that. Uh, yeah, lots of thoughts on this. And Senior Nerd, uh, Zeno, when I was in a hospital fighting leukemia, instead of getting out of bed and going to the bathroom, I used a plastic container to piss in and have the nurses flush it. So, I had, uh, so I'd advise you use that. Do you know what? I'd advise don't use that in a public movie theatre, as they might ask you to leave. Uh, new dream drinking game idea, Simon. Every time Simon Thompson makes a sex joke, take a shot. You really shouldn't be drinking that heavily at like half past nine in the morning. You really shouldn't. If you're going to do that, then watch the show like at 11 or maybe 8 at night. I think that's a reasonable time to start it. But It's 5pm somewhere. Yeah. Let's let's talk about uh, Avengers again uh, very quickly. Um, We say uh, say goodbye to a few characters in this. We're not going to say who they are, but we know that's inevitable because this cycle is ending. How do you feel, uh, again, without being specific, um, the uh, saying goodbye to these characters, how do you feel dramatically that was handled and within the story? Do you think it was done well? I don't care for either one of those characters, so I was kind of like, okay. Okay. Um, I think surprisingly enough Dimitri probably didn't I cried more during this movie than I anticipated that I was going to cry mm. um, and one of those character scenes was one of them where I was crying and I was like I don't even like this character why yeah. am I upset but it was handled really well and then I think the other one was just kind of a throw in it felt like and I just couldn't it was it was, it was quick and it was like a logical conclusion Yeah, but it was also kind of like it lacked the emotion for me that I think they were trying to elicit from the audience. I, I got an element of emotion from from the characters that we that we we say goodbye to in this. But I'll be honest with you, I got more emotional in the final battle. Um, and there's a couple of scenes later in the movie, which again I will not be specific about. That that again, there's a tenderness to that. That's really, and this is where I think the, the Russo brothers' ability to handle comedic moments, action, and drama really effectively, and never feel like they're clashing together. There are a couple of moments in this movie where really their dramatic sort of chutzpah comes to the fore, and you go, these guys are m- way more 
than superhero movies, which as they move into the next phase of their career, I think is something we're going to have to remember that they're really good at rather than just making kick-ass superhero mm. movies. Dimitri. For me, one was unexpected. Yeah. One was unexpected in the way that it was handled. Uh, and the other was unexpected but highly logical. Yeah. So, um, so, so there. You know, we haven't really gone into as well... Like, what a crowd-pleasing movie this is. Yeah. I mean, this movie was made for the fans, for all those who have been loyal these past 11 but years. But not exclusive to the fans, because something that really... Uh, the, the way that some of the exposition and the when we were talking about the MacGuffin that's laid out, even if you haven't seen a, an Avengers movie or you've seen sporadic ones in the series, this is one way you can come to it, and there's enough there, you will understand what is going on, because there is exposition in the story... That like I I advise that you've seen other Marvel movies before you yeah. see it to get the most out of it. But if you're going, oh shit, I'll give up. I'll, okay, I'll go and see Endgame this weekend because everybody's talking about right. it. You'll still be able to have a ball at this. Maybe a pair of balls. Maybe I I, I don't a hundred percent disagree. I, I don't hundred percent agree with that. Interesting. I don't find this as some other Marvel movies as a standalone. If you're going in cold. Like you're not gonna have that emotional heft, and you're not actually too. You're not. You're, you're not. It's like this has such crowd cheering, like inducing moments where you just go, yeah, mm-hmm. and people are applauding. That happens a lot, particularly yeah. in that last hour. So that's where the movie delivers, and that's why I say it really is a fan service, uh, and to the average moviegoer. The, and by average movie go, people who go a lot don't necessarily read comic books, but mm. they they've seen these movies. But if you're just walking in kind of cold with only with only some semblance of knowledge, I, I think that you you're gonna lose a lot of the emotional heft to this, and you're gonna start really going nitpicky yeah. on the plot points that are. And don't at work. the end of the sorry, Ashley, go. On. I was just gonna say that I think. It's incredible if you've managed to not see any other Marvel movies at this point. Um, but the other thing is the the beginning of the film, which mm. we're not going to talk about what the scene is. Yeah. But when that first opening scene finishes, got me. You're like you're you're choked up, and you you need to like do like a like you need to ex like you could hear the theater exhaling after that. And I think it's interesting, especially when you go to a press screening, and a lot of people don't get the chance to, but it's different than a regular screening uh, yeah. because there's a lot less reaction to things in the, you know, where normal audiences would be screaming or cheering or laughing or whatever. Critics and press screenings can tend to be very calm and not a whole lot of reaction. That movie, even in the press screening, was getting cheers and, you know, mm. sighs and screams, and it was just... It was really intense emotionally for a lot of people. It reminded me of kind of cinematically, like ju- jumping, you know when you jump into a pool and you don't know whether it's the right temperature or a bit too cool? <laughs> it really felt like that. It was like, oh, shit, we're going in. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, nobody's got any of those rubber toys. It's definitely, you know, oh, right on the knackers. Yeah. Uh, it chills you right from the start. It's, it's yeah. done. It's, it's, it was the, I wondered if it was the right decision. But it, creatively, it was absolutely the right decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in the chat um, are saying, uh, who got those beautiful steel popcorn buckets when you see Avengers Endgame? I got the Captain America one. I was thinking about this the other day. Even when I went to see, um, uh, it, it was uh, one of the other um, Avengers movies. I, we, and even a lot of the Star Wars ones. When you go to concessions, you used to get these amazing cups and, and popcorn buckets. Right. They're all thin. I don't see so many of those these days. 
Come on, marketing departments, marketing departments, you've got to do these. This is a big part of the movie-going experience, just having having the cup and the popcorn bucket and you're just sucked into it. Well, there are companies, there, there are company vendors who actually create that yeah. and sell them to the studios. And I miss it. Sell, yeah, so, I miss it. And you, so you haven't seen, so what you're saying is you haven't seen Avengers one. There I was saw, one from AMC because we have it in our, not for this Avengers, but for, for a the last one. previous yeah, it, ones. It only yeah. seems like in the last 18 months, two years, that it's really started to take a decline. And I know in some, uh, in overseas markets, they're still quite popular, but it seems that a lot of the chains here have kind of kind of poo-pooed them, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame. I don't know if that's a, a push for like recycling because they are not very biodegradable. Yeah, it could um, be. I have Scott has a very interesting collection of things. I recently was going <laughs> through some boxes and I found twelve of the cups. I think it was from AMC with Jar Jar Banks, the like plastic thing that hooks onto the cup. And oh yeah, 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 twelve of them. I don't right. know why we have twelve of them. One is enough. None is Me's enough. <laughs> None is enough. Uh, oh, we're going to move on to another part of, uh, of it in just a second. Uh, but I want to uh, say, uh, Kamei Egon, um, I've heard this is a satisfying ending to this saga. No spoilers, please. Uh, what would you like to see in phase four um, of the MCU? Do you know what? I don't want to think about it. And I, I, I agree. This It is a satisfying end for me. You know, not perfect, but beautiful and, and more than I was expecting. And after Infinity War, it was definitely, this exceeds my expectations. I was very pleased with it. I am quite happy to, though, to draw a line under this phase and some of the characters in it because I've seen a lot of movies with them and I want something new. I want new characters to feel a connection with. I want to see more from the likes of Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Marvel, who we've seen a little bit from. As much as I love characters like Thor and Iron Man and Black Widow and, you know, all these characters, I'm ready for the the next swathe to see how the other characters fit into the likes of, you know, Spider-Man and stuff. I, I really... That's what I'm excited for. I don't know what they're going to give us, but I'm pretty excited about it. Ashley, your thoughts on this very quickly. I l- oh, never mind. No? I almost said a spoiler, so... Okay. Um. <laughs> so we can rethink that. Let me go to Dimitri then. Uh, and your know, thoughts, and then we'll come I, back I, to you. Still, nice catch, though. I was like, no. I lied. I love the bit where, no! no. <laughs> I, I, I'm s- you know what? I'm still letting this movie watch. I can't think that far ahead right now. I'm letting this movie just wash over me in the the past 11 years. uh, I thought, and I think it's really important, you go into this movie knowing as little as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Throw away whatever theories. Like, I I stopped doing that after Last Jedi. I don't like to read what people think need to happen. Enjoy the movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and, and, and embrace the unexpected. Yeah. Because... I think that a lot of this movie, there's stuff in there that comes unexpectedly, mm-hmm. and that's what was a, a part, a major part of the enjoyment for me. Yeah. So yeah. going forward, we already know what they're going to have in place. Yeah, yeah, they're great. We uh, have an idea what some of the movies are, but some of them haven't right. been announced yet. Exactly. Which I think likely D23. I think we might see something, or maybe Comic Con. True. Um, I think we can probably see some of those announcements. Did you want to jump back in with no spoilers? (laughs) I know it's a it's a fucking minefield. It's really hard. It's It's really hard. Oh, okay. Um, It's interesting because I'm probably one of the rare people in our industry where I don't read about like what they're saying. Like you know, two years prior to a movie coming out, they're Mm. like, "This is the plot." I don't pay attention to that. I actually don't watch trailers unless. You send them to me and say, watch it for the show, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, but I typically avoid them because I don't want to know anything. I want to go in as blind as possible mm-hmm. to movies. So I definitely do that with uh, Marvel movies specifically mm-hmm. because 
there's so many really knowledgeable fans of the Marvel Universe from comic books and everything else, and they can dissect it in ways that a lot of people can't, and they have and these ways great that ideas. Even if you got it, it wouldn't really mean a lot to you because right. you're, you're not that deep in it. Right. And it's just, I just want to give the creative voices behind the films a chance to come up with what they're going to come up with. Because yeah. if I read something that somebody wrote, I'm like, that's amazing. And then I don't see it happen. It's disappointing. I would suggest, even if you want to read reviews and stuff, I would definitely wait until after you've seen, if mm-hmm. you're going to go and see this movie and some people aren't going to go and see it, but I would definitely wait until you've seen and you've had a time to process the movie and made up your own mind before you start reading the think pieces and the reviews. And Because I think everybody's going to have a little bit something that they're going to have an opinion on or take away from it or it's going to mean uh, something to them in a certain way. And I would genuinely say, you know, if you're going to see this movie, you're going to see it anyway, whether it's a good review or a bad review. So I would do that, process it yourself, make your own decision up, and then deep dive into these think pieces. Don't yeah. do not do them before. That's you very quickly. amazing point, but also it should be noted, too, uh, a major marketing campaign that was kicked off this week yeah. that through Marvel, through Disney, I've seen at AMC, Cinemark, they sent out the thing, don't spoil Endgame. It's yeah. a hashtag. Don't. And people are doing it in think pieces and in headlines and stuff at the moment already. One particular character, um, we've already seen a lot of references to to that character mm-hmm. um, and their future yeah. within the MCU. And I'm just right. like, come on, it's, it's barely fucking been out for the average people to see. Is know? it really a spoiler to say that Thanos is Iron Man's father? <laughs> Dude, we, we, we spoke about that before the show. <laughs> we did speak about that. You said you weren't going to mention that, but okay, fine. Uh, Sarah Brockle saying it costs you fifty dollars for popcorn and shit. Why pay extra for the container? I would never pay extra for the container. No, you tend to it get used it. To like, come with the, it used yeah. to come with the popcorn. I mean, some drinks you can. Like if you go to you know theme parks, you can pay extra for this right. thing, but you don't have to. Sometimes the container's cool. Like the Coke cup is yeah. reusable that you can bring. It yeah, back that's to the, the one we have. Yeah. yeah, unless you want you know a jar jar on top of it. I wouldn't pay extra. For that. One final thing, and very quickly on this, guys, before we move on. Michael Green is saying, what I want to ask you guys is, is it worthy of best picture of the year? I'm going to go first on this. I'm going to say no. I agree. As much as I enjoy it, I don't think it's best picture of the year. I agree. Okay, Dimitri. No. Can I can I yeah, say absolutely. it could get one of that could be something for one of the other categories revolving around acting. Yes. Can I say that? I that doesn't spoil anything. That's fair. I would be quite surprised. I think this is going to get technical oh. stuff. Editing. Literally coming Sound out of its wazoo. Yeah. But yes. do I think it's best picture? It's yeah. no. It's For me, it's not the kind. It's not a movie that I would go, that is best picture of the year. Might be my top ten. I don't know. It's only April. Um, but at the moment, I would definitely say it might get nominated, but I would not expect it to win. I do feel like it's actually, you bring that up that it's only April. I've, Scott and I were talking about this, that I feel like there hasn't been that many, there haven't been that many movies that have come out this year that I was like, wow, this is great. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. Even with me going to Sundance this year, I was, I was very, Sundance and South by this year. And I'm just not overly impressed by what we've seen so far. Only a handful that I've been excited so far this year and coming up. I entirely agree with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll be honest with you, some of the movies are much of a muchness. I think that's kind 
kind of killing. I'll probably go and see them, but I'm not excited about mm-hmm. them as I as I once was a couple of years ago. We do have a lot of reoccurring yeah. stuff. And, and it's, it's a good been, question, too. I yeah, it's a, th- thank you so much for that, yeah, Michael. We do question. really appreciate it. That's why being part of the show on the chat is really important. This continues after the show, of course. Um, if you want to rewatch the show or you're, or, or you're not watching it live now, uh, you can comment in the comment sec- uh, in the comment section, obviously. We really appreciate that. That's where the dialogue continues. But also on Twitter, at Meet Movie Press, and you can find us all on there. We're usually talking about stuff, too. Really appreciate that. But please be nice. Nobody likes an asshole. Be nice. We can all be civil. We can all disagree about stuff. Don't be a dick. Okay, let's talk about box office for Avengers before we move on to something that is non-Avengers related, before we get accused of being paid by the mouse. Um, can't deny that this movie is <laughs> going to do absolutely massive box office this weekend. Uh, you know, 300 million domestic, I think, is entirely achievable. It's already done phenomenally well. It's broken records uh, overseas. I'm fully expecting this to be an insane... We know pre-sales for this to be massive. I said a couple of weeks ago, and, and I know, Dimitri, you agreed with me on this. Um, I think you were watching the show as well, actually, that I can see this making a billion in a week. Do you think that is entirely doable? Uh, uh, just, yeah. I mean, certainly globally. Globally, they're saying... Globally, a billion. By, well, globally, they're saying but there is a possibility of doing it this weekend. Because remember, it opened yeah. in China on Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Crazy. If I if I read uh, there was an article in Deadline yesterday that said that this had done already forty five to forty seven already. Yeah. That's all pre sale. Mm-hmm. Okay, it it would probably do more because we were still at like eight o'clock yeah. Pacific time. Fandango. It's the highest pre sale tickets. It beat out uh, Force Awakens. It did sixty million uh, domestically in previews. Uh, it's already <laughs> taken three hundred five million uh, globally. Um, I mean that that is on a Thursday night. Sixty million is just. I mean, I say night from about four o'clock is insane. Um, I was reading on this is from Box Office Mojo. Uh, it's the highest preview gross ever ahead of Star Wars: The Force Awakens, which delivered fifty-seven million back in December twenty fifteen. The film will now begin playing on a record four thousand six hundred and sixty-two locations starting yesterday. So I think it's pretty much guaranteed to break a shitload of records. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> and technically, we're not really even in summer yet. <laughs> no, we're not. As much it's as Hollywood would like you to think we are, it is not. We've literally April. just done with Easter. Yeah. Ashley, on this, I mean, do you think it could go above um, one billion this weekend? Or do you think it'll be this weekend, or do you think by next week? By next week, for sure. Okay. I think it could potentially be this weekend. It, it's interesting. I was scrolling through my Facebook page, <laughs> which, <laughs> interestingly enough, is not all industry people. And I'm just scrolling through and it's saying, this person's watching Endgame, this person's watching Endgame. And these are people who don't typically go to the movies that much. And certainly not before the weekend. On the Thursday. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, okay. So I can definitely see it happening. Um, my sister, who doesn't go to movies very often, is probably going to go see this. Um I definitely. I. I mean, I would be. Sur- I would not be surprised if it hit a billion before the end of the weekend. Yeah, yeah domestically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, worldwide, yes. For the weekend, domestically, I agree. By end, by week's end, we're going to be extraordinarily close. And those people uh, who do these kind of box office reporting at Disney are going to go eat a billion. I, I, would be, I would be surprised if in week one it made a billion domestically. I think it is. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Mm. Um, but I think purely on domestic tickets, I don't think it would make a billion. I, but if it does, 
I'm delighted, yeah. absolutely delighted. Um, but um, I think certainly internationally, we're looking at a billion within oh. with, by the end of the week, it's if not crazy. possibly the weekend. Uh, some people disagreeing though. Uh, John Harrison saying it's not making a billion. Uh, this movie is already missing Force Awakens records, uh, but it's actually beaten some of the Force Awakens records. Kame yeah. um, uh, Egan, I love to listen to you, Simon, Dimitri, Scott, and your guests. Thank you, Kame. Uh, uh, we really appreciate it. Kame uh, also saying I think it'll. A billion within five days. Uh, Force Awakens made fifty-three million. Uh, uh, midnight uh, Endgame did forty-five. Uh, actually, End, uh, Endgame uh, has done sixty million. Um, uh, I wonder if Aladdin will be another solo for Disney. Decent but not great box office. I think this is certainly going to make up for shortfalls that Disney have with a few oh. of their movies this year. I think out of what's coming out for Disney, I see another billion-dollar movie being The Lion King. Yeah. Whether whether we're going to see Aladdin making a billion. I don't. If it does eventually, I don't think it will make it as instantaneously or within a short period uh, as we're seeing with this. Happy to be pr- proved wrong, obviously, because success is great and we should celebrate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see this as ju- just from pre-sale. What'll be interesting, though, will be to see how long this can be sustained. I see it being number one for a couple of weeks. There's nothing really coming out of the gate. But the thing is that... A lot of these movies rely, and there is going to be that core audience who are going to come back again and again and again, Absolutely. and they're going to bring friends, and they're going to bring family, and they're going to do that. But a lot of people would be one and done, and they'll see it this week, and then they won't come back. Right. But but think about, just think about this. Think about the metrics about this all. So let's say it does $300 million. I'm using $300 because that's an easy number for me to do math. Mm. At best, at worst case scenario, it drops off a cliff and it drops 50%. It's still $150 million, if my math is correct. Of course it's going to be number one next week. I don't see anything that could contest it. So that's being at its worst. To your point, it won't be 50%. So we're looking at anywhere from 150 to maybe 180. Yeah. You know, so... Next week's box office, I think, is going to be interesting because I believe if I might be wrong, somebody in the chat can correct me. Um, Long shot, I think, comes out next week with Seth Rogen it and Charlie Theron. Yeah, and then Pikachu is the following week. Yeah, so it'll be interesting because there is a big Seth Rogen fan base, and then there's also that push that this movie is not a typical Seth Rogen movie, which you know, it, which is great people who aren't big yeah. Seth Rogen fans. Right. Yeah, so I think it might do better than they're expecting, but I'm a little bit concerned about how it's going to interact with Endgame. Like, I don't know if it's going to edge out enough to make what it should. Well, he'll be laughing all the way to the box office, I'm sure. (laughs) Would you... Wouldn't you agree, though, too, that this tidal wave... Uh, of 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 hype, right? Yeah. Is going to carry over because there might be some people who say I can't get in this weekend. Yep, mm-hmm. and so. so I will go next weekend. Yeah. So you know, I just think that if we are in a wave, a tidal wave of buzz that still hasn't even capped yet. Yeah. And then you're going to get midweeks as well. Yeah, I think it's gonna. Yeah, we're gonna have. It's and there, gonna are, be a there are a lot of people hold. who want to see the movie who aren't that aren't that jazzed about having to be the first to see it, mm-hmm. right? You know, and let's, let's not crowds. let's not pretend that everybody is like you know a pee your pants super fan. So <laughs> sure. there are people that are quite happy to right, uh, and there are people who went to go into dollar movie theaters because we still love those places. Okay, we're going to move on from this in a second. I just want to touch on a couple of things that were mentioned in here. Uh, Senor Nerd, who believes Endgame takes Avatar's over, overall record? I think it might, but I'm not entirely sure. I think it might not entirely sure. Jenna James uh, 
Senor, I think it'll be close, but not quite there. I'm with Jenna on this. Uh, Sabian Robinson, it's so good, y'all who care about the box office. Go enjoy this blessing for the MCU. God bless. Go and see the movie. If you want to see this movie, see it. If you don't, that's absolutely fine. Leave it alone, but it's good fun. Uh, Simon Thompson heads up, apparently, on his Instagram. Vin Diesel strongly suggested that John Cena... Uh, will be in Fast and Furious 9. Great. I mean, that'd be great. Uh, okay, let's talk about some other big news this week. We, we, we've taken up a lot of the show with Avengers because there was a lot to cover. We are now going to move on to Bond 25 news. Um, some great and big news this week uh, on this franchise. Um, a lot of really interesting casting. We knew kind of there was a lot of talk about Rami Malek uh, being the villain. That is now official. Fans seem to be generally welcoming this, which is really good. Uh, obviously, Daniel Craig is returning for his final one. Uh, also joining the cast, uh, Billy Magnuson. Uh, uh, Anna de Armas, who will know from uh, Blade Runner 2049, uh, David Densick, uh, Lashana, uh, Lashana Lynch, uh, who you probably know, most people will know from Captain Marvel uh, more than anything else, uh, Ray Fiennes back, Rory Kinnear, Ben Whishaw, Naomi Harris, uh, Leia Sadoui, Naomi's back, Jeffrey Wright is back, which is absolutely fantastic. Your thoughts on this casting, uh, Ashley, first of all? You know... I'm pumped for most of it. I okay. really love Rami Malek. He's, yeah. I've been obsessed with him since the um, Night, Night at the Museum movies. Yeah. Um, he doesn't so, talk about that one a lot. I'm a huge fan mm. of him. Uh, so I'm, I'm up for anything <laughs> that he does. I, I literally will see anything he does. Great. Um, but Leia Sidhu, I, I don't like her. I okay. don't think she's a good actress. So when they were, she's in it again. I'm like, great. <laughs> she is something of a fan favorite, though. She is, and she does... You know, and I looked at her, you know, filmography to see what she's in, been in, and mm. and I'm well, maybe I just have a sour taste in my mouth from Spectre. And I look back and I'm like, no, I just don't dig her. <laughs> I don't really like it. I just don't dig her. So you know, I mean, I love Ben Whishaw. I'm still probably going to think of Paddington every time, but yes. you know, it, it'll be wonderful. So no, I think I'm it's, open to it. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's really good casting. I'm mm-hmm. especially happy that they brought Jeffrey Wright back. Oh. I love Jeffrey. Uh, Naomi Harris yeah. is great. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, Rami Malek, I think, is a really good. I, uh, uh, Dimitri, let's ask you for your thoughts I'm on in. As a, as a, a big Bond fan, I'm in. I was actually surprised about uh, Sadhu coming back because one of the few Bond women to come back into another movie, especially the mm. movie... She's not like Ahmaud Adams, who did one movie and then comes back to Octopussy yeah. as a different character. She's coming back as her character right after Spectre. I can't recall that happening outside of, like, Money Penny. But she's a Bond girl who's coming back, and I'm really curious as to how that's going to play into the plot. Yeah. I can't wait. Like, they did a really good job of setting this up yesterday. They did a whole social media campaign uh, promoting it. It comes out. Uh, yes, Daniel Craig has already said, yep, let them find somebody else. So it really, as we talked about here in Meet the Movie Press... It really does seem like they're going to try to go with a bang on his final uh, thing. I hope uh, it can reach levels of, say, Skyfall. I was going to say, as far as Bond movie goes, I, I haven't been excited for a Bond movie as much as I have with uh, with with uh, uh, Skyfall and also Casino Royale when Daniel Craig first took over uh, the role, which fuck seems like a lifetime ago now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely really psyched about this. Obviously, you know, fan of the work of the director, which is fantastic. Knowing that Phoebe Waller Bridge, uh, you know, is obviously part of the team. She's been polishing the script. Um, everything to me is is on track. One thing, something someone mentioned on Twitter the other day, which. A a lot of people didn't pick up on but i thought was really interesting was what about obviously judy dench is no longer in this her character um right. is is deceased spoiler uh <laughs> so you've had a couple of years to watch it let's be honest um 
people are saying potentially they might be lining up Olivia Coleman to come in and fill that role, the iconic role that Judy Dench once had. R- R- Ray Fiennes moving out and Olivia Coleman coming in because she's so hot in Hollywood these days. What do you think about that theory? I mean, I'd, first of all, I'd love it. I don't know if it's going to happen. Ashley, first of all. I'm a huge fan of Olivia Coleman, so yeah. I'm I'm totally on board with it. I'm actually I don't actually follow the Bond movies very carefully. I saw I think we saw Casino Royale when we were in Monaco <laughs> on a bus. Right. So Which is the way uh, the director intended for totally. you to see it. Um, yeah, that was the vision. <laughs> we were we were going to we were going to a casino. They were playing Casino Royale in Monaco. It was you know, but um so I mean besides the fact that I love Olivia Coleman, I really don't have much investment in Yeah, you just like to that. see her in stuff. I I just like her. Like I just, I think she's wonderful. She did Broadchurch, which she was amazing yeah, in. Yeah, that's a great um, I, I watched too many British shows for not being British. Peep Show? Did you see her in Peep Show? Not it's yet. That's gr- on my list. That is of a stuff. great comedy series. Yeah. she's amazing in that. So, but everything Olivia does is is tremendous. She did mm-hmm. an amazing movie, uh, Tyrannosaurus, a number of years ago as well, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so, Dimitri, I, I mean, I, I always hate to talk about these theories. I think she would be great as yeah. an M, uh, but. Again, another thing that the Bond movies have done is, even though Bond changes, uh, I'll be curious to see what other cast changes there mm-hmm. are as well. Because historically, whoever plays M, Money, Penny, and Q remain. It's just a new guy coming in to play James Bond. So, yeah. I, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, and what they are planning to go forward. But Olivia Coleman would play, I think, a fantastic M. Um, Xeno Hour, why no title, Simon? There's no announcement on the title yet, which I actually quite like because previously, because when, I mean, I've covered over the years a number of these Bond launches. I covered uh, Daniel Craig when he was announced. I I covered Spectre. I covered Skyfall, uh, you know, in the UK. Um, And I, there's, when you're given a title and you're given a lot of other information, there's a lot of stuff to process. I actually quite like the fact that we don't have a title. And also, like we discussed earlier with with Engel, with, with theories and stuff, there is so much that is built around the theories of what does this mean? Is this based on a book? Is it blah, blah, blah? I actually like just having the chance for this to settle a little bit. And just to enjoy and go, I like the casting, great. Now the next stage, let's do that. I really wouldn't have a problem if they left revealing the title until we see the first trailer, like we did with Avengers Endgame. Yeah. You know, and like we did with Star Star Wars Wars. I think that's a great way to pop the title out, is you do it on that, do a a big release on that teaser trailer, and, you know, the fans will, will eat it up and love it. Like myself. I kind of hope that as much as I love these these Bond sort of titles that are, you know, they tie into the folklore or they're a really big part of the Bond thing, I would like something just completely frivolous and something that's classic James Bond and, I don't know, cheeky and some things that make, you know, titles that almost make no fucking sense whatsoever. (laughs) I would quite like one of those. Eat a banana. Eat a banana, titty titty bang bang. Yeah, just something. I don't know. I don't know why I suddenly thought of that. But I just, I seriously, I just like one of these titles that make no fucking sense whatsoever. That people don't look at and go, oh, well, maybe you'll find that this was actually a reference on page 73 of the 17th book that was actually a typo. But in fact, Brian in a library in Kidderminster once decided to do this. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to watch it, whatever. It could be called, like, uh, Spillage in Aisle 9. And I don't care. I'm going to watch the movie. I don't give a shit. So, yeah, so we could do that. Um, but, yeah, oh, uh, Jenna James, obviously we missed something really important off 
off uh, Olivia Coleman's uh, resume. She's also a voice in Thomas and Friends. And Thomas the Tank Engine, something you don't gloss over in someone's resume. No. It's deadly, deadly serious. <laughs> yes, okay. and it can be deadly as well. So apologies for that. Yeah, don't play on train lines. Uh, okay, we have 15 <laughs> minutes left on the show. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about. Uh, actually, John Harrison makes a good point. Who cares, Fines or Coleman? The character is pretty standard. She was basically M in the Night Manager. Lol, Simon. Yeah, basically. Uh, no, absolutely. And uh, singing it, I thought Felix Jeffrey Wright died in Quantum. Or was that somebody else, Simon? Uh, do you know what? That was somebody else. It was somebody else. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was going to say. It was uh, Jean Carlo. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah, it was somebody else. John Harrison, on a good point, actually. Uh, Judy Dench carried over between Bonds. Why not carry over Bonds? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, Daniel Craig's done, fundamentally, yeah. and he's at the end of his contract, and he doesn't really want to do it anymore. Um, and I think you've got to, you know, there's a couple of years physically where you can do James Bond. Right, physically. And, and physically, where it just takes so much out of you. I mean, not everybody's a Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> you know, so you just want it to be believable. You want it to be authentic. I think it's time for him to step down and have a new generation have their Bond. And Every generation has one. Yeah, and we don't mean that to be insulting. In fact, no. I, I remember we had a conversation about just that mm. a few months ago. Um, what through the whole Idris Alba, like who's going to play him next? Yeah. And we said, I believe we all agreed as well, saying, "Yeah, this will be his last one. It, it, it taxes and it taxes the body. He's he's been physically hurt from doing these uh, movies. And right, it's time for you know he knows when it's time to go. Because the thing is that if you do one too many, people go, oh, he's not believable as X character. Roger now. Moore, it's like, oh yeah, Roger Moore, Sean Connery when he came back as well." Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my god, he's too old. George um, Lazenby. Yeah, oh, wait, jo- yeah George Lazenby. Yeah. You, so you can't, I mean, he obviously didn't come back. Um, but, you know, he did come back in some of the audiobooks, I believe. Uh, but, that, God, I'm such a nerd. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I just think you can't please everybody, you know, and right. you can't have too much of a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, Craig, and you I, need to go bye bye. I think it's, but I think it's good for this series yeah. as well. So, you know, it always reinvigorates. Any more on this, Ashley? Are you you're bonding out? Okay. I'm ready for your Idris Elba. Ready for Idris. Paging Idris Elba. Okay, uh, come out, Egan. Uh, Bond is sexy, but I want to know who is going to be who is going to do the opening song. My vote is for Adele again. Adele, I don't think will come back. I think one of the few artists who've come back and done it is Shirley Bassey. Shirley Bassey. Um, Goldfinger. Monica, Monica. <laughs> Eleven at Die, Skyfall. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think that she's going to. Paul McCartney. It, it was. I was just naming Bond movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Eleven at Die again and again and again. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't think it'll be Adele. Um, Sam Smith. I don't think will come back. Uh, obviously, um, I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I mean, I have my own thoughts about who I think will be really good, um, but I've, I've yet to kind of kind of be disappointed with whoever they've got even if I haven't liked the song I've never mm-hmm. been disappointed by that but it always tends to be as long as it's not like BTS I'm fine um, you know because I think that would be really like sort of weird I think I just think you weird. need yeah. I just think you need it, it, fundamentally I think it, it always helps to have a British artist even though it hasn't always been the case right. um, and I think there are a lot of people who I think would you know some, occasionally you get bands who did it because they were cool at the moment Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes those don't age particularly well. I would like to see um, the person who did the voice for Rebecca Ferguson in Greatest Showman, an amazing okay. singer. I've completely I can't think forgotten. Of her name. Yeah, fantastic. Would be great. Um, you know, uh, the bearded lady in uh, the Greatest Showman. <laughs> 
Uh, she was an amazing Broadway star. She's Maybe great. get someone like her. Yeah. Adele Dazeem. John Travolta wants Adele Dazeem. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Adina Menzel. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. I do like Adina Adele Dazeem. Uh, but I think, yeah, we could. there are so many options, but I think we're, we're so not... Obviously, they're talking about it, but we're really not close at that yeah, point. No. Uh, I would love to see the British band take that, do it, but they've done a lot of movie themes over the years that haven't really turned out well for the movies, so maybe they'll kiss okay. of death. Yeah, I mean, kiss of death, great name for a Bond movie. I mean, a lot of people forget the Pretenders were part of License to Kill. They didn't do the theme song, but they were featured in the movie, yeah. and that song and the, the theme and the cadence of that song was was uh, played throughout the whole movie as well. Uh-huh. So the good old Pretenders. Uh-huh. 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 I love that. Uh, Fishman <laughs> Dildo. Um, I didn't like TLC. It doesn't explain why. Right? Okay, that's, that's uh, Star Wars. We're not doing Star Wars this week. Uh, Jenna James, uh, what about Beyonce? Uh, yeah, Bouncy would be good. Uh, Weekend, Ed Sheeran, or Bruno Mars doing it. Spice Girls are getting back together, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Yeah, they are getting back together. I don't know. I just wanted to be like hokey and be like, we're putting the Spice Girls in back Yeah, Boys. Bond Power! <laughs> what Bond if it's, Power! But what if it's a movie that actually like takes place in the past? Like, what if it's not a current one? Yeah. And they put it like in the 90s or something for a throwback? That would be funny. That would be fun. Duran, and then have, like, Duran again. Yeah, Duran. Hey, we got to go back and get some stones. Let's get the Beatles. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about some other stuff coming out this week. Salem's Lot movie is coming from James Wan. James Wan, I love you. Uh, seriously, all the guys that have come out of like the, the whole Saw thing, Lee Winnell, James Wan, he's done from, he did really well with Aquaman. Uh, obviously, the Conjuring stuff is still right. coming on really well. Salem's Lot. I really would like to see his his movie. There's a lot of movies or TV movies, as it was originally, um, that you know there's reverence for. I think he could improve on Salem's Lot. I'm not the world's biggest Salem's Lot fan. Uh, thoughts on this? First of all, I downloaded the book to read it last night, which, okay. which may not be the best decision because Scott's not here, so okay. I'll be reading a Stephen King book by myself. Okay. But um, I'm very excited because I think James Wan, I really like his vision and, like, the kind of gothic feel that he kind of puts into things. Yeah. So I'm very excited for what he can do with a Stephen King And he does jumpiness really nicely yeah. as well, mm-hmm. really effectively and creatively, Dimitri, on this. I can't wait. I mean, I am a big fan of Salem's Lot book and the, the miniseries on TV when miniseries uh, actually mattered. Uh, it, this is prime to be brought onto the big screen. I mean, horror is riding an incredible wave right now. Mm. This is a great vampire story contained up in, of course, Maine. I I think it's amazing. It has really super characters, creepy-ass moments. James Wan can do it, I think. Like, this is his wheelhouse. And if he he has a passion for this story, too... Look out. It's going to be great. I think it's been, particularly with it being a vampire um, story, I think it's been far enough removed from that train wreck of movies that we saw that were vampire related during uh, Twilight. Plenty of those. So I think we're far enough removed from that where we can reinvigorate the genre and, you know, make something that is notable as opposed to something that's forgettable. Mm. Yeah, and I think to, go, going to your point about the fact that he has got success with this this tone of story, um, it's almost right, it's almost like he's written a book 
um, a, a James Wanuel, a manual, um, for, for how to do this stuff really, really well. Um, and I think, you know, he works with people who, who are really creative and it doesn't necessarily have to be on a huge budget. Um, you know, they're always cost effective, which means these films tend to make money, which is great. Um, and Salem's Lot, I think, is a story. And there's a lot of re, uh, reimaginings of these of these texts from Stephen King books that, you know, again, in the 80s and 90s, there were so many. We, you know, Hollywood stopped making them. Pet Cemetery almost didn't get made because there was there was King fatigue. Right. Um, and I think really we're at a time where we're seeing a lot of these stories being appreciated and technically and in storytelling that is really marking and making a mark with audiences right now. That we're in a time where actually this is the time for King's stories to be told again. And he's on board and he appears to be a bit more present than he has been for the last couple of decades, which is, which is great. Actually, my, my nephew was over with uh, from, from the UK uh, with, with his brothers and, and his dads recently. Um, and he, he absolutely lo- he literally consumes books. It's insane. Um, and he bought <laughs> his first Stephen King book. And he bought The Shining, and then he also bought Doctor Sleep. And he's literally, he wants to devour the entire King catalogue. And it was, it's great to see him get so excited How about it. Uh, he is in his early teens. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's that's so, about the same time I was like introduced to Yeah, Stephen same King. same oh, as me. Yeah. And he just devours them. And I think this is these these are the people that are gonna be going to the movies for Absolutely. the next ten and putting their money down. Yeah. I think this is the time for the King Naissance. Yeah, and I, I think, really do. I, I think if he keeps at it, he'll have a career. I think Actually, he'll do well. Yeah, I think yeah. He'll do okay. yeah. He should do a movie about a guy in a in a, in a like a, a man who does running. Yes. 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 He's, yeah. he's a man he's running. who does he's running. running. Yes. I don't know what they does, call that. Yeah, though, but I don't it know be either. Really good. No. But it's a that's a good plot. That's yeah. at least a good start. Yeah, about yeah. some TV that's that's reality. <clears throat> I don't right. know what you, I don't know what yeah. you call that. Um, so yeah, Salem's lot really really excited, and Gary Gary Doberman's uh, is, it's Doberman is going to be using uh, is going to be part of this as well, and they 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 work really really nicely together. Uh, some other news I want to cover off this week: Netflix Oscar eligibility uh, remains intact as the Academy votes not to change the key rule. This key rule, of course, being Steven Spielberg was saying movies that are Netflix movies shouldn't be considered, uh, you know, for for Oscars. Obviously, in the way that Roma was last year, um, documentaries have been previously, but really it was Roma that. Kind Kind of tipped tipped the balance for for Steven Spielberg this year. Um, interesting. I'm not entirely surprised because I think that so many people consume this, and we're seeing them moving into theaters. And I know Dimitri, you have very strong uh, ideas on this, but I I would like to go uh, to you first of all, Ashley, on this. Um, surprised? How do you feel about this ruling? I'm not surprised about it. I think with the way I think there's a divide in generations right now where I. Feel think we in our age group tend to skew towards you know traditional theater viewings of things and I think the younger generation is the one that's really um, devouring things on Netflix and they don't yeah. really care if they see it in a big screen and then that's not a generalization of everybody in that group but it's about affordability and I think we had this conversation the other day how I said you know that Students who can't afford, you know, X, Y, or Z. We were talking about the um, Disney Plus thing. And right, right. I said they can't afford X, Y, or Z. They're going to go to the streaming option that has the most availability and yeah. to watch it that way. And I think I'm kind of torn between the two because I'm, I'm all about inclusivity and I'm all about accessibility for everybody. Yeah. But at the point where it doesn't it's not detrimental to the industry, you know what I mean? And to the actual art of filmmaking. I think that's where we have to draw a a very strong line that it can't 
compromise the integrity of filmmaking. No, I think that's absolutely right. And I'll be honest with you, when, when I, I've talked about this on the show previously, but when my wife and I went to see Roma, we went to see it in a movie theater here in, in L.A. You know, we didn't watch it on Netflix. I mean, then we have a, you know, a great TV and a great sound system for it. We actually wanted to go and experience it in the theater. And I think a lot of people are... You know, for, for certain movies, and I think the ones that are really art, they're not just a movie with a small M, uh, they're cinema. I think people are making the effort and they will go and see them in theatres as well. So I think I think time is moving on and we have to move with them. Dimitri? I wasn't surprised about yeah. the no-change policy because I really think that they're put into... Well, it's the end. It's, it's, they, they're, they're wishy-washy anyways. Uh, but I wasn't surprised. Uh, look, I'm not going to get back on that soapbox again. Everybody knows that I'm all for protecting, as Steven Spielberg is, the movie going in the theatrical experience. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation not too long ago about this as to are people we're still talking about Roma but are other people still talking about no, Roma? And I, I no, and I said this would happen after awards season. Right. Everybody was going mm. like oh, Roma, 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 Roma. Right. And as soon as the Oscars were over, like within three days, it was like, oh, moved on. But people will still be talking about movies like Endgame or even yeah, Crazy Rich Asians. Why? Yeah. Because it was a theatrical experience that everybody was on. Same for about. movies like Bird Box and that kind of thing. Uh, two weeks they had yeah. conversation. Then you're not talking about Bird Box a, anymore. A very few of the other Netflix movies even right. get that modicum of conversation. <laughs> you're actually. right. Very few. Seriously. It you're was, right. It's funny to bring that up because I forget when Scott and I were flying home from somewhere. I think it was South, South by... And I'm just sitting there and just staring off. And I look over and this guy's watching Ready Player One on his laptop. And I was like... It's how Spielberg wanted you to like, see it. I was like, he was very upset. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a big laptop screen, but I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like... I'm like, Stephen King is so... Or it, Stephen, Stephen Spielberg is so upset right now. If, and I'm watching it and it's like... And the best part is there's like no sound because he's got headphones on. And it's just like... And I'm just like... Well, that's underwhelming. <laughs> uh, if there's going to be a change, would you agree? How about capping the spend for an academy? I mean, Netflix. That's not a bad idea. Fifty actually. million dollars they spent. Netflix did. We, we have caps on political contributions. Sure. I mean, people fucking ignore them, but you know, I mean, we I, have but caps. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think uh, I think you can. Yeah, that's a really good idea, actually, Dimitri. Level the playing field. Yeah. I mean. You know, the only reason why Roma got so much attention, we had this conversation too. They spent $50 million yet for two weeks in the holidays, Christmas and New Year's, everybody was talking about Bird Box, mm. which they spent nothing, well, on. nothing on, comparatively speaking, to $50 million. Mm. Put a cap on that. We have for the so much stuff from Roma at our house. <laughs> like we have a pillow, we have a poster, Roma. we have like books. And I'm, Do you have a sippy cup? No, it, we Do didn't get a Jar Jar. It didn't get the Jar Jar treatment. The Jar Jar. You don't have a little Roma. You don't have. What if it was? Like, That's um, awesome. Uh, yeah, can I have a coffee? But can I leave uh, Roma for cream, please? Roma tomato. On that note, Sarah Brock was saying, "Can we have a drinking game for Simon?" terrible jokes like the bad ones like these ones lol Sarah everybody would be shit faced within <laughs> 15 minutes of the show you give yourself too much credit it's more like 10 I'm just saying <laughs> it would make for an interesting you know chat. what truth hurts truth hurts <laughs> I know thank you I'll be here all week try the real unless you're vegan then don't uh, a lot of people talking about this in the chat uh, I want my movies in theatres we gotta get theatres open absolutely John Harrison saying <clears> I lost my V card at an empty movie theatre um, we've gotta keep the young dating experience alive but on a serious note seriously 
Movie that made theaters. me uncomfortable. No, I'm here too. <laughs> I didn't know you were there. No, but seriously, <laughs> movie theaters are an entire experience. Thank you so much. I'll be here all week. Uh, but no, I. It is an experience that I think there's so much surrounding it, just as communities, like things like uh, pubs and post offices and stuff like that, that are such a part of the community. And I think it's really part of our popular culture that I think movie theatres are such an integral part of so many parts of our lives. Mm-hmm. Education, awareness. To lose movie theatres, mm-hmm. we would be losing more than just somewhere to, to hang out in the dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we can do that anyway. We can do that at home with the lights off. Uh, but yeah, uh, Janet James, yeah, I mean, all that good, that doesn't care, and I'm a student. So, uh, John Harrison, my point is that the movie experience is a great way for people to leave their homes and have communal experiences. Movies are great. Uh, a cheap way to do that. It's not entirely cheap, but I think there are plenty of places you can go and catch movies for cheap. I love the New Beverly here in LA. Mm-hmm. There are so many theatres like that that do it affordable. Please keep these dollar movie theatres alive. If yeah. you want to go and catch a movie again, uh, go and see them in one of these sort of two or three dollar movies uh, theatres. I think they're really important. And Extremely they're, valid point. They're such an important part. I mean, there's one in North Hollywood that I love mm-hmm. going to. Yeah. The Regal Six. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sure. like literally that has not changed since about 1994 and I love that the, there's a scene in, in Captain Marvel oh yes that is filmed outside of the Regency Theater yeah, in Van right. Nuys and yeah. Scott goes that's the Regency like he yeah. loves that theater because it's super cheap and you can go oh there. yes it's the Regency uh, yeah I know the one yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the scene where she regal, but... goes through the blockbuster yep. that's filmed right there so it's like you know we need them for backdrops for and filming. there's a scene in Searching where uh, where John Cho beats up uh, the kids spoilers uh, beats up the kids and that takes part that's in the lobby of that movie theater seriously keep these places alive as much it's as important. I love Netflix and I, I love hard format go to these places some of them as skanky as F but <laughs> Seriously, I like I like sticky floors. I like sometimes slightly shitty, you know, sounds. It just it's like the new Beverly is. It's I mean they've just done a huge refit on that, but it feels like I'm watching a movie theater with a crinkly ass print with like emulsion scars on it, and the sounds are a bit jacked in places. And I've got those movies on Blu-ray at home, but yeah. you cannot beat that experience no. sitting there with these people it, and watching. It. And I will I will. Uh, to that point, or right to that point, you know, to see Endgame this weekend, if you're fortunate, you, you got your tickets. I mean, just as you said about that press screening, just seeing how the reactions were in that, can you imagine a full-fledged, like, this is the audience of paying, a movie-going paying audience in the theater? It's, 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 it's amazing. Everybody's there for the same communal experience. And even if you're, like, even if you go alone, like, which I, which I often do, yeah. You still get it. caught up, whether it's a horror film, an Avengers movie, and then as you're walking out to hear that buzz about the movie, or in some cases, not so much buzz, uh, yeah, it really is awesome. Uh, Ashley, final word on this, because we've run out of time. Yeah, the <clears> only <throat> thing I just wanted to say is I think, to Dimitri's point, it's really important that as critics, we still go to public screenings, because yes. we need to stay connected to what an audience is actually liking. 100%. Um, you know, I just think that's really important to note, that sometimes we still go to those screenings just so we can get the gauging of an entire audience, not just a room full of press people. And it makes our work 
Way more realistic, way more relatable, and way more effective. We don't have any more time, Dimitri. Okay. The final thing you can say today is tell it, me who you are and where we can find you. Everything is, else just... I am right here. I am I'm right here in Popcorn Talk Network's Meet the Movie Press. Uh, Anatomy of a Movie will be coming back. In fact, we will be doing a deep dive of the Avengers Endgame. We're going to wait a week so that everybody can see it and we're not going to piss people off with spoilers at DMovies17. Ashley Menzel. <laughs> you can find me on WeLiveEntertainment.com and on Twitter at Ashley G Menzel. And you can find me at Showbiz Simon on Instagram and Twitter and Meet Movie Press on Twitter as well. Thank you so much for the show. You guys are really important of it. People like John Harrison. I don't mean go to the cheap theaters. I mean, do if you want to do, but the movies, still the cheapest form of going out for entertainment right. versus, say, theme parks, dinners, etc. And he says, Dave and Busters. Right. John also lost his virginity uh, in a movie theatre. Was it to Dave? Wow. Or was it to Buster? <laughs> oh, have a great week, everybody! Oh, wow. We really appreciate you. Without you, this would be completely pointless. So like, subscribe, tell your friends. <laughs> Find us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Podcast One, and anywhere you can get a podcast in your eyes or in your ears. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much. Don't forget, end that game! <laughs> Producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.